Blog Talk Radio.
the moon also goes into Pisces, and we have a new moon in Pisces. Mars, which is at the latest part right now of Pisces, will actually still be in Pisces. It will be in the the high 20s, just a couple of days away from moving into Aries. But it will still be in Pisces when the moon goes into Pisces, and we'll collectively have um, seven planets in Pisces and Saturn in Scorpio. There'll be eight planets in water. So it's pretty intense time for for us with um, with our feelings. And, you know, Pisces can also rule uh, escapism and isolation and addiction because there's a difficulty in um, in connecting with people. So for those people who are generally emotional and um, sympathetic and compassionate and have a sort of eye on other people's feelings, that group of people, right now you're just feeling more deep. You're just feeling more connected with everybody. It's like, give me some hugs, give me some love, you know, Pisces, Pisces, love, love, love. Those people that are not, that have a more difficult time connecting emotionally and are maybe more uh, intellectual um, or more verbal, um, then they might find that all of this emotion is a little bit overwhelming for them and they might need to step away from it. This is a wonderful um, it's called a stellium. It's a collection of energy in one sign. This is a wonderful stellium for the movie, television industry, for fiction, for writing, for anybody that's in media or entertainment or anybody that's in uh, healing arts as well uh, where you're needing that kind of compassion. So Pisces rules these two sides of um, fantasy and illusion, which is certainly created by fiction and the Hollywood industry, and um, also a kind of compassionate, you know, things like nursing, doctoring, um, certain things even like psychology, they also fall into Scorpio. But Pisces, the ability to really feel and intuit what somebody else is feeling. Uh, we have Jupiter in Gemini hanging out there kind of in a strange square to all this Pisces. Again, could be overindulgence. Remember, if Pisces is making you want to uh, indulge in drugs and alcohol and television and escapism and sleep and drinking and you know all these different kinds of ways that we love to escape and eating and, and, and sleeping and, and just dreaming, dreaming then... Um, Jupiter being square to all this, Pisces, can cause an overindulgence. So it can also cause an overindulgence in that sympathetic, nurturing side. And you have to be careful that you're not um, too emotional for some people, that you're not saturating them. So again, of those two sides of the story here, the people who are very emotional can become very much more emotional, very much more connected. Remember, some people don't really get that. So you can overwhelm them. I use, I use the, the analogy, saturate them with water, meaning that you pour it on so heavy that you're so connected and you get them so, you get them so well that it can be a little off-putting for them because then they feel their boundaries becoming diffuse. So um, hang in there. The, the, the planets are going to start moving into Aries, and that's going to be an interesting shift, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about next week. But definitely be looking Sunday, Monday 
for uh, the moon to shift into Pisces and for us again to be going very deep. If your dreams are very vivid right now, that's why. Uranus and Pluto getting into a tighter square. I did do the the um, the short half hour show on Monday afternoon talking in depth about the Uranian Pluto square. If you'd like to catch up with that, I would recommend listening to that one in the archives. It's only a half hour show. And it was actually a really deep, really good show where I got very heavy into the Uranian Pluto square and what it means for us and how we can begin to collectively recognize that we have a collective conscious, a collective conscious, not just a collective unconscious, but a conscious. And that if we all collectively gathered around one type of mantra or concept, if we all realized globally that we could focus on one collective concept, that we would begin manifesting those concepts. So I know we're a little bit far away from doing that, but that is the direction that we're moving in. This age of Aquarius is about collective consciousness and all of us being able to focus, or at least a a mass of us, being able to focus on particular mantras, particular thought forms that we can create uh, on this earthly plane. So um, I am Dr. Craig, and you're listening to the Inside Connection on Blog Talk Radio. Tonight's topic is about the seventh house. And the seventh house in astrology is the house of uh, marriage and relationships. It's the house of contractual agreements. And it's the second air sign, so it's the second air sign house. Now, there are differences between Libra and the seventh house. The seventh house is about contractual agreements. You don't say that Libra is about contractual agreements. You say that Libras are relationship-oriented. But the way that the that those two energies connect is that um, Libra embodies the energy of wanting to make contractual agreements. They they are a part of that relationship path where when we have a relationship with someone, whether it's professional or personal, we establish. Uh, spoken or unspoken contract. We know that if we went to see even a medical doctor um, or, you know, a lawyer or, or some professional like a psychologist or someone like that, we might go in and we might sit down with them and the contract is already um, known. It's sort of what you would call like a known contract. You go to see a professional person and Um, you're going to pay them their fee and they're going to give you the service they offer. If it were, you know, like a a doctor, you would know. You were going in there for a specific thing and the contract basically says that you will pay them what it is that they um, charge in exchange. That's the contract. A lot of times those relationships, those professional relationships, are... um, do have a contract. You call someone up, you want to hire them to do something around your house, to, to paint the outside of your house, or something like that, and they give you an estimate, and then they give you a contract, and then they sign the contract, and you sign the contract. All of those things are seventh house relationships. So it's interesting that marriage is really basically considered the same thing. It is a contract. 
And that's why people go and get a marriage license, and that's why when a minister or rabbi or other officiant um, you know, facilitates that, that those people's, uh, that couple's wedding, that they also have to sign that. They have to sign the license, and the officiant signs the license. And there are a lot of things that are actually in that agreement that um, you know people might not necessarily think about, but it's a signed contract because it's not something that you can just walk away from. Once you've signed that contract, then everybody knows that if you want to dissolve that contract, it's called divorce, and that's another difficult process of breaking a contract. Of course, divorce is also in the seventh house, and all kinds of disputes that arise from contract negotiations go between the seventh and the eighth house kind of between the seventh and the eighth depending upon what way they go if it's mediated and it's you know pleasant it's normally a seventh house uh negotiation if it's if it's unpleasant it can move towards the eighth house where emotions get involved so, but more about that next week when we talk about the eighth house. For the purposes of today, I think I wanted to make it very clear that marriage is a contract that has a lot of unspoken um, points that are in the contract. A lot of a lot of unspoken agreements that are in the contract. And a couple along the way, they might date and they might, you know, talk about, well, how do you see this and how do you see this and would you want to have a joint bank account and, you know, would could my mother move in when she gets older or not and blah, blah. Sometimes we talk about them and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't necessarily go over pretty much who we are in the negotiation of a of a seventh house contract we don't necessarily um fully put out there with somebody over the course of dating let's say it's 6 months or a year the different things that we think we might need to, to be in this kind of relationship with someone and have it be successful the kind of relationship where we share jointly share a domestic life we live under the same roof, we travel together, we either have children or not, um, but we can either share expenses or not, we can go and visit our family or not, you know, uh, our sex life needs to be negotiated sometimes, how often is that going to happen, do you like it, do I like it, do we need more, do we need less, what do we eat for dinner, you know, all the way down to what are we doing on the weekend, how much free time do we have, uh, you know, do I get to see my friends? Do you get to see your friends? All of that is a part of the negotiating that goes on when a couple is mostly dating because those are the points that are basically in that contract. And obviously there are other legal issues that are established by the state or the government in a contract, just like that contract that you would sign with the guy that's painting the outside of your house. On the contract, he's agreed to do this, you've agreed to do, you know, to pay him, you've agreed to do that, you know, there's there's a an exchange. And I think a lot of times when we enter into these relationships, 
we don't necessarily communicate all of the things that might be on our mind. It's one reason why certain kinds of purchases have tons and tons of paperwork that you need to go over and sign off on because they're the kinds of purchases we don't turn our back on, for instance, like buying a house from a seller and a buyer. Those are the kinds of things that are fairly airtight by the time the closing happens. And normally, it's not something that either party can go back on. If you sell your house to someone and a bank has given you the money, you can't decide the next day that you don't want to sell that person your house. So there, there, there are certain kinds of contracts where we as human beings, it's all about Libra, it's all about the seventh house, we as human beings recognize that, oh, there are certain kinds of contracts we can't go back on because the emotional implications are too complicated and we can't even actually deal with what it would mean to have that happen. Um, Adopting children, that's a lengthy, long process that gives natural parents an opportunity to not sign away their rights. And once they do, and their adoptive family takes over a child's life as guardians, there's usually very little way, once all that paperwork is closed out, for a natural parent to actually come back in and take over the life of the child. Obviously, this is a contract, a seventh house contract, that has to do with the emotional implication of the life of the child. So the state recognizes there are certain kinds of contracts that we need to have certain rules and marriage is one of them. Now, even the guy that's painting the outside of your house, he has rules and laws that govern his contract. If you're unhappy, you need a mediate. If it's more expensive, he needs to let you know, etc., etc. But the rules are a lot more simple because he's painting your house. It's the kind of contract that has a, a, a termination date. It's not a contract that doesn't. And so there are contracts of both, and both of those come into the seventh house. For instance, the the contract where you go in and you sit down with a medical doctor, it's basically the visit. You get X amount of time with the guy. He diagnoses you. You pay him. He gives you whatever he recommends. You leave. That's it. The contract for that visit is basically over. Of course, you can have a problem with his recommendation and take that up with somebody, or you can have a problem with the guy that painted your house and take that up with somebody. But basically, the contract is very clear. It's not like marriage or buying a house which is something that's intended to last a great deal longer. But the the the, the major purpose for the um the seventh house is that it's a communication. The the idea is that it's about communicating with the person that you're making a contract with so that you're clear about what it is that you're getting yourself into, whether it's a marriage or just a paint job, so that you don't have to move over into that eighth house place where it can be very um, ugly, for lack of a better word there, when 
one or another party is unhappy with the contract that they've signed themselves up for. So I think the seventh house is critical and interesting in our development and maturity as human beings because by the time we get to the place where we're independent and making these contracts on our own, whether they're marriages or doctor appointments or, you know, whatever else we, you know, we become independent and we're, we, we, we make contracts on our own, it becomes important um, for us to recognize a certain amount of maturity that's necessary in communicating with someone else so that the contract is um, clear so that both people feel that the contract is clear and that they know what's going on between them. I know when <clears throat> when um when two people uh buy a house for instance, when a couple buys a house, they have their own contract while together they're making this contract. So they have a contract as a married couple and now they're going to have a contract with a bank who may lend them a mortgage and they're going to have a contract with the seller that's why we have, like, in California, escrow companies and other states' lawyers mediate uh, these kinds of sales because the couple themselves have their own contract about what it is that they want and like and what it is that they need. And so even in the process of going through, say, like a closing on a house, it's a good example because it comes up in my mind as a very big contract that people, you know, go through, some people go through. It could be buying a car. Two people could buy a car together. It's a similar process in that that the the signing of a contract as a couple triggers the contract that you have between you and the other person. Do you like the way that that contract is going? Like, what if you found out that there was a problem and that the house, you know, needed a new paint job and that that was going to cost you $10,000? How would you both handle that as a couple as a part of the contract you have between you and uh, your partner? Same as where are we going to go for dinner on Saturday night, but it becomes more emotionally elevated when you're talking about plunking down a couple hundred thousand dollars or borrowing a couple hundred thousand dollars, that the emotional level between these things goes to a heightened place when contracts represent higher stakes and higher emotional involvements. And yet everything from um, every agreement that we're making within the relationship, from the smallest to the largest, is all in the seventh house. I think that that's an interesting part of um, of of the houses now as we move forward is that the smallest things, and it even begins in the sixth where we're doing some kind of service for someone. Well, sixth house, you know, can be that you're just going to help them move across town and it's going to be a one-day job, but it could also be that you're going to, you know, go caretake an elderly person or that you're going to make a commitment to someone else's family and, you know, be their housekeeper or nanny or something for the whole lifetime of a child, let's say. Those kinds of things are enormous commitments of service, and as we talked about maintenance last week, and yet it, the sixth house uh, takes over all of those things as well, the the maintenance of the smallest thing to the largest thing and the the contracts that are established in the seventh go you know from the smallest thing to the largest thing 
Um, I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to um, play Passage to Promise um, from, um, and I will be back in two minutes. Let's move into the same house together. We know how that can turn out. 
um, if we don't, you know, really look at who it is that we're moving in with. Um, so the, what, what's the content behind a good negotiation? And the answer is compromise, right? So that's why Libra and the seventh house is represented by a scale. It's, in fact, the only sign of the 12 that is an inanimate object. It's not represented by an animal or beast or, you know, um, or human form, like Gemini and Aquarius have a human form, or any of the other ones, any of the other animal forms, Aries, Taurus, right? They're all, they're all animals or humans. So... Um, Libra is the only one, and it's because the idea behind compromise and balance means that we need to remove ourselves from the idea of sort of like a, an, an animate place. In other words, if, you, if we apply anything that's living to the situation, it will react in some way to an, from an emotional place. And in order to have this negotiation with someone, in order to be able to really have this idea of compromise, you have to be able to take that out of the equation. It's not that Libras don't have, uh, you know, uh, emotions, and it's certainly not that um, people who have seventh house lessons or that the seventh house is devoid of an emotional process. It's just that working it out with someone is much like when you would go and see a mediator. A mediator is very much a Libra um, process where there is no emotion involved. It's simply the logical uh, thing that's behind it, even if we're talking about emotional experiences like in a marriage, right? The unspoken thing where where one of the partners would like to get a birthday card, for instance, on their birthday, or a little gift or something like that, and then if you don't get the birthday card, then you've broken the contract, whether it's been spoken or not. This is an emotional experience, and yet it's something that gets negotiated or not in the contract. It could come afterwards, right? A lot of the things that we find out about our marital partner are things that we discover after we're already with them. Part of the process of getting married to someone is saying that you'll agree to figuring out how to get along and compromising as life goes along and you're challenged by life's um, experiences. That's why we make vows of, you know, through thick and thin, uh, through good times and bad times, we're going to try to make this work out. We're going to make this work out. That's the original contract. And what happens is that as we go along, of course, we can't have talked about all of them in advance. And so, you know, every little experience, like, do you want a birthday card on your birthday? Oh, I didn't realize that that would upset you if I forgot to do that. That needs to be experienced as we go along through the relationship and through life together. And so we have um, this, uh, this amazing function of compromise, compromise. And it's an enormous part of the idea of the seventh house, that lessons of the seventh house have to do with our ability to negotiate and compromise and diplomacy and um, th those kinds of energies where there's a give and take, where there's a give and take. Mature relationships recognize that. I'm sure politicians could 
you know, learn a little bit. Because as we become more polarized as people, we can't get along. And if we can't get along, then nothing can get done. Nothing can get done. If you're in a marriage with somebody you don't get along with, then you're not cleaning the house, you're not buying the groceries, you're not you're not parenting the kids properly, you're not balancing the checkbook properly. It's like you start to grow apart and go your separate ways. So as a couple, nothing can get done. So it's similar to like, you know, government where government becomes partisan rather than if it all comes back to the middle and they're able to compromise and find the middle ground on issues, then more can get done because when two people dig their heels in on issues and they don't compromise, then they find that, you know, in fact, everything comes to a standstill whether that's your marriage or whether that's a contract with the guy that's painting the house. Because if you're going to move away from the center and move away from the idea of, okay, let's find the common ground, I'm not happy, you're not happy, or this isn't, this doesn't feel right to me, or you know, I need to express myself here, all these different things about compromise. If we can say, okay, I'll listen to you, okay, I'll, you know, I can give a little here, you can give a little here, we'll find the middle somehow and be able to actually get this done. It can happen with buying a house. Two different people want one thing, want another thing. Two different people want different ways of raising children, but if they're going to have them together, they have to find the compromising and common ground experiences that help them to actually be able to raise them. And, you know, I think in our world, compromise is difficult and we discover that um you know what i need to compromise in order to be able to get along with you is not really worth it to me anymore i I, i'm too egotistical or whatever and i need to um you know maintain my own vision of what i need and so i'll just choose to you know walk away from this this contract this relationship that we have together and you know we know what that is that's when contracts go wrong and when contracts end and when people decide to get out of contracts. Because the original thing about a marriage contract is that we agree to do it for life. That's what's interesting about it is that it's not a contract that we renew. We don't go in and say, you know, marriage licenses should be renewed. (laughs) We get a marriage license and then we, um, you know, we stick it out to the end or we have to divorce. Those are the only two ways to, um, you know, dissolve and officially dissolve, officially dissolve a marriage. And um, so successful relationships are built around the idea of compromise. Libras, and in, in, you wouldn't necessarily say this about the seventh house, but Libras want harmony. They want harmony and they want stability and they want balance <clears throat> because that's the middle ground. So Libra, again, personifies, they are compromising. Generally, Libras are very compromising. They're willing to at least compromise. It's something that's an innate part of their ability to um, 
to talk and communicate is that they want to be able to say, you know, okay, well, how can we work this out, and I just would like to make this better, or what is it that you need right now? Usually they're good at saying those things, and they can be very level-headed because they don't like the extremes, because once you're in an extreme situation, then it's difficult to compromise. So Libras are the harmony, the peacekeepers generally of the Zodiac, because they like to keep... Um, energies more even keeled and and more balanced because in that place of harmony, like if I'm getting along with you, then I must be compromising, you know, in order to be able to reach this place of of harmony and peace. Compromise must be happening because you know Libra probably has to be careful that they don't overcompromise, but they often don't do that either because they're very involved in fairness. So if they feel usually like their own side is not being heard or listened to, or the other party is not compromising with them, they won't necessarily get angry, but they'll make it very clear that they will speak up and they will speak their mind. They'll say, I don't think you're compromising, and I'm in a situation here where I feel like I'm compromising with you, but I don't feel like you're compromising back. So it looks like I didn't really have anybody on the switchboard tonight, which is kind of odd. First time in a long, long time. Um, and uh, normally I would save some time here for some callers, but I have done, uh, as I guess, much as I want to say about the seventh house. You know, it's great to negotiate. It actually really is. It's great to be partnered with different people on different levels, whether it's a business partnership also has the seventh house, uh, business partnerships, all contractual agreements, including marriage, are in the seventh house. It's not the house of our children. It's not the house of our friends, um, because those are different kinds of relationships where there's normally not really a contract established there. Um, it's not the house of our parents or our brothers and sisters. So it doesn't usually include those relationships, but it includes all professional and personal relationships like marriage where there's a contract. So if you hired a personal assistant, that would be a seventh house relationship. If you go and seek the help of anyone who's a professional at all, that's a seventh house relationship. It also is interestingly the seventh house in old astrology. They say that it's the house of open enemies, meaning people who don't like you and who, you know, you have to work it out with or whatever. Say you have some kind of a dispute with a neighbor or something like that. You would the old language was to say open enemies, you know, but it just means that somebody wants to somebody's having a problem with a contract. Like if there was a neighbor and there was a, a bad boundary dispute, like a fence you were going to put it up or something like that. If you had a problem with that neighbor and they came and they were like, hey, buddy, blah, 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 we can't do this. And those people also are um, are in the seventh house um, because they, it's still the necessity to negotiate with them. And because you share property boundary, there's an existing contract between you and that person. I've noticed it, I'll tell you an interesting story with this few minutes that are left. <clears throat> there was a young uh, girl who was in school, and um, 
she was having a problem with another one of the girls in the school and she was being bullied <clears throat> and um the the principal they they felt that the way to handle it was to move the girl who was being bullied into another classroom to take her out of the class with the girl who was giving her a problem well interestingly the the girl who was being bullied was a leo and she said no like absolutely not i'm not getting moved to another class she said what we're going to do is you were going to you're going to bring both of us in and we're going to talk this out with our parents or whatever in front of the principal and it was very interesting because they did of course have to do that um because she as a leo was very insistent but brilliantly she's a leo with venus and libra and so in that you know like situation where there was a confrontation and a negotiation the contract there is we are students in the same school and there's a contract between us that we will not you know interfere with our learning ability and that if we don't like each other we will just stay away from each other and uh this girl set out all of those contractual rules and of course they were stamped on and approved of by the um by the faculty at the school and she didn't have to leave the class and uh the other girl was strictly forbidden she had basically been called out um publicly and um i guess she would have been expelled what happened was is that of course she did go off and stay you know to her own and she probably picked on somebody else but this young lady who i knew uh who i know um she was able to establish a very strong libra boundary by in the old astrological text somebody that you would have called an open enemy meaning somebody that you know that you know the person they're not working behind the scenes to undermine you they're they're flat out right there in your face you know exactly who you are and you know exactly what they're doing so you know many blessings on all the people who are capable of establishing and using to their benefit the um the natural order of communication, compromise, and contract negotiations. I'm Dr. Craig Martin. You've been listening to the Inside Connection Radio on Blog Talk, Thursdays at 8 p.m. I'll see you next week, and we'll be talking about Scorpio and the Eighth House, the emotional backside of the contract. I'm going to leave you tonight with Road by Nick Drake. I can take a road that is new. I can take a road that is new.